a semi-emergency edition of the Grizz Den Pod. Uh, Craft and I are on here. Welcome to the pod, Craft. Uh, good to be here. It's spring break, but we're not taking any time off because the news just keeps flowing in. And this specific episode, we are going to be talking all the John Morant updates. So last time we were on, which was only you know four or five days ago, uh, we weren't really sure what was going to happen with the Jaw situation. We both had our guess of, you know, he's probably going to be back before the season ends. We just have no idea with the uh, potential of an NBA suspension upcoming. We don't know um, where when Jaw's going to be ready to come back. But uh, a couple or last night or excuse me, yesterday. We got a report from multiple outlets, but I'm going to be referring to Adrian Wojnarowski's uh, ESPN story. We got word that John Morant had been officially suspended eight games without pay for for conduct detrimental to the league, which uh, the NBA announced. And so it was not going to be a situation where he has to, to serve the suspension eight games after he comes back. It would be time served, if you will, so that covers the six games um, that he had missed prior to the Miami game last night, and he will also be out, uh, I guess, two more with the Spurs and the Warriors games. So the first game eligible to come back is the Mavericks game on Monday, March 20th. Now, the key word in all of that is eligible. We uh, saw later from some additional reporting uh, from Woj and then some other sources locally that Jaw is not expected uh, to play immediately, mainly because there will be just a ramp-up period physically for him, but also, um, of course, welcoming him back around team facilities because the suspension includes team facilities, so it's not like he can be working out. Um, Adam Silver came out with a statement, um, and I'll just read it here. Jaws' conduct was irresponsible, reckless, and potentially very dangerous. It also has serious consequences given his enormous following and influence, particularly among young fans who look up to him. He has expressed sincere contrition and remorse for his behavior. Jaws has also made it clear to me that he has learned from this incident and that he understands his obligations and responsibility to the Memphis Grizzlies and the broader NBA community extend well beyond his play on the court. So, Ja met with Adam Silver. That was also reported. Uh, The league came out and said that based on the information they obtained during an investigation, they cannot conclude that uh, the gun at the club in Denver belonged to Ja Morant, and they did not uh, uncover any evidence that suggests that he traveled with the gun and so uh, and that combined with the report out of Colorado was part of the um, suspension being what it was and I think there was uh, this is more opinion not reporting but I think there was an element of the Grizzlies deciding to to hold him out and then on top of all of this we saw a tweet from Jalen Rose and it was a picture of him sitting in a um, in a staged room, probably in some hotel somewhere, uh, and with the announcement that there would be an interview that would be uh, airing on SportsCenter, and that 
aired last night, but not in full. It has since been released in full. It was about a 20-minute interview. Could have also been edited a little bit uh, in there as well, probably. But uh, we are going to be unpacking all of this news and the um, really the headline being John Morant uh, could be back here very soon. John, what was your reaction to to all of this that came down yesterday? Yeah, so, you know, I think the the two kind of reactions are, one, as a fan, um, and kind of selfishly, you would love to have Jaw back um, just because, you know, one of the reasons we love uh, these Grizzlies is to watch Jaw play. Um, also, because we know that to, to hit our ceiling as a team, um, that uh, we need Jaw um, back uh, playing for us, you know, despite what maybe some people might like laugh about the record without jaw. We know that we can't um, uh, get to what we want to Western Conference Finals and NBA Finals a title without Jaw Morant. So, so that you know, and then of course, but then you have the reluctance of is this good for Jaw? Um, is he rushing counseling? Um, you know, is this all just a PR spin move? Um, that and those all those thoughts are going on all at the same time. Like, so for me, mostly it was excitement that he might, that he might be coming back and then sort of an, you know, an apprehension or an anxiety about, you know, is he coming back too soon? Uh, How is the media stuff going to be handled? Of course, that was before I saw the tweet from Jalen Rose and you know, what, what's the media get a response going to be? How is all this going to happen? And uh, you know, but then it was exciting to see that he met with uh, Adam Silver that that meeting uh, seemed to go well and that when the suspension came out, it felt like, okay, um, you know, whether you want to say it's some PR stuff and kind of things, but just that there, there was, a, you know, as what Taylor Jenkins had been saying all along, there was very much a process in play with all this. It's why they gave us the two games, then the four games, um, and that after, you know, on the day of that fourth game, they gave us all the, these updates and all these things kind of came and, um, and as we had speculated last week, we, you know, both of us, I think we're leaning to the fact that it's going to be very difficult to prove that he had a gun, um, his own gun with him on any of the NBA team properties or on the plane and various things. So, so in that sense, um, so overall, you know, I am excited that he is back and that I am, there's still a little bit of apprehension. Honestly, I, I feel like the issues are not going to really probably come out, um, from here from the end of the season through the playoffs. I think it's going to be more uh, post-playoffs uh, in the off-season when there's more time, um, depending on how the playoffs go and the backlash and and how the media treats him. Like Those are all the things that seem to be what um, got him in trouble. Um, and so, so I think the future is still out there as to what, you know, uh, if he's going to make similar mistakes, if he's changed, if this was really helpful or not. But it does seem like, uh, that he's ready to go and the team's ready to have him back and uh, the NBA's allowing him to come back. Yeah, I have the same thoughts uh, mainly. I think the uh, – I made a joke immediately when the tweet was released. I texted a few people, he's healed. So I think that's that's part of it is you've yeah. got to kind of question how much can actually change in just you know a week and a half – essentially. It did sound like from the interview that the response from him the morning after the Instagram live was immediate. 
and he had been down in Florida, not just for like a couple days, but had been down there for uh, about a week, it sounds like. And so I, I don't doubt that there could be a big benefit to, to completely unplugging like this in the middle of, of kind of their um, the dregs of the season. Honestly, just from like a health standpoint, I'm sure every, like they did have the all-star break, but Ja, of course, was fairly involved in Salt Lake City there, especially given his, uh, the Nike presence and everything that he had to do with it. So even like he didn't get the all-star break that everybody else did to kind of get away uh, for as long at least. And so I don't doubt that there was some benefit. So I'm not going to write that off completely. Do I think that this week and a half has solved all of the problems? No. And I think you're right to point out in the middle of a season when you have games every other night and you have the playoffs coming up, that's where the focus is going to be. And I think everybody in his circle understands you know, this is the time he would be locking in regardless of what was going on. Um, if he hadn't gone live ever and this was just kind of how Ja was progressing, my guess would be he wouldn't have as much distraction during the months of March or late March and, and mid-April and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the proof is going to be in, in what happens after this. And I would also note, which I have I've said time and time again here, I'm still very intrigued to know what Nike is going to do about the whole release uh, next month, which was still scheduled. We haven't heard anything about whether that's going to change. Notably, Ja had deactivated his social media uh, the morning after the incident. He has since reactivated it, uh, both Instagram and Twitter, as of yesterday. And he posted a Powerade ad, which I watched the Powerade ad, and it was awesome. And so, um, you know, I feel like he is now at a point where he's he's ready to get back in to just business uh, as usual. And I think it's fair to say that this isn't business as usual, but I I believe overall with Ja, the sooner he can get back on the court, like the quicker he will be able to move on and probably everyone around this situation will be able to move, move on as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, and, and we'll get to the interview uh, in a minute, but, uh, you know, I think a couple things that uh, or came out or just, you know, because I think a lot of people think rehab, I mean, just eight, seven to 10 days, what's that? And, but I'll say, I mean, like, you know, as someone who's done counseling and is in part of that kind of world vocationally, you know, there are intensives. There are ways people do these sort of seven to 10 day retreats. It does seem like, you know, I think there have been speculation about sort of um, substance abuse issues or some other addictions. And it sounds very much for coming from the interview and just other language that it, it was more of uh, less of feeling uh, rehab for those things and more counseling to deal with anxiety and stress so as not to make unhealthy decisions with substances like alcohol. Uh, it seems like that is more, at least that's the angle they're saying that is what Jaw is talking about, that it seemed like the counseling was more about when you feel stressed, when you feel anxious, when you feel the weight of kind of being a 23-year-old multimillionaire superstar um, with people writing articles about you, you know, like breathing techniques, talking to people, 
not going to a club and, you know, Instagramming yourself, uh, like live Instagramming, you know, you're, you partying, um, and these sorts of things, but actually doing, you know, uh, healthier ways of coping with these things. That seems to be the angle. And, and, and so in that sense, I think that is, whereas I do think a, an intensive counseling program could be helpful. I mean, it's probably not the end, you know, I would, I would hope and assume that he's going to continue to go, um, probably for the rest of his life. But, but that seems to be the angle that, uh, and what, what happened these last seven to 10 days. What did you think about the interview overall? Yeah. So, um, you know, real quick, I just, I mean, sorry, I'm going to get in my soapbox for a second. Just want to do a rant. Um, because, uh, my frustration is they did this 19 to 20 minute interview and Jalen Rose did it. And I actually think, uh, from Jalen's perspective, I actually think he did a really good job being sort of like tough, uh, but also, you know, very congenial, you know, they shake hands at the beginning and, and end, uh, like it seems like they're being friendly, but the way ESPN kind of clipped this, uh, the, the way they rolled out this interview, I thought did a great disservice to Jalen Rose. Um, I saw people getting upset with him being feeling like he was prosec- you know, like a prosecutor last night on Twitter, which like, if you watch the full interview, it doesn't come across that way at Anything all. Anything is the opposite. Yeah, the opposite. And then I'm frustrated because we, like, uh, and just, I, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm always frustrated with ESPN's coverage of the NBA, but like getting, getting clips that kind of make it seem more spin PR and then having all these old guys, Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon, get on there and kind of do the old guy, uh, get off my lawn bit. It just, it, what, like, I, it's just not productive. I mean, why wasn't somebody like a JJ Redick or a Richard Jefferson or somebody younger uh, coming in there and, and kind of giving others perspectives. And I feel like Jalen tried to, but it's weird because Jalen was the one doing the interview to kind of, you know, say something different. Uh, so that was just kind of weird. And then, you know, they had, and I was dumb enough to try to stay up late to say that they were going to show this on Scott Van Pelt. And then they only showed four minutes of a, of a 20 minute interview that I think had similar issues. And I see that those are the things being passed around on Twitter. So all that said is I would really recommend for people. I know a lot of people are like 19, 20 minutes is a long time, you know, but obviously you listen to podcasts. If you listen to us, um, I think it's worth it at some point this weekend, just to listen to the full 19 minutes, uh, to get the full perspective on that. And, and honestly, this is why we podcast. And this is why I think you and I, especially, uh, both love podcasting and are do podcasts because we think that long conversations are just a lot more helpful than sort of clips that you know that aggregators can take and that people can do hot takes, um, but that actually real conversation is actually much more helpful. And so I definitely recommend the full interview um, because I think it was. I thought I, I thought you know we can get into whether we thought Jaw was sincere, whether it's spin, but I actually thought Jalen Rose did a very good job, I think, of asking him all the questions I would want asked. Um, you know, didn't feel – I mean, I'm sure there was some handling and, like, don't ask this type stuff, but I feel like he did a good job of being personal, being him, and asking questions. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor, and we'll get back to the interview. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt-in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. You know who I really like in this tournament is, in round one especially, is Princeton. I think I would probably parlay... 
Princeton, and let me think of like one more lower seed, Furman. I think I would parlay those two and see what the payout is. Um, we'll see how that works out. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Win or lose. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details there. Um, yeah, so I felt like in the interview itself, uh, okay, so one thing I liked, the it sounds as if Ja is aware of the impact everything had. Um, I think there there is some part of me that uh, appreciates athletes who say, Basically, screw the media, screw the press. I am, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do me. Um, and I think that there's a point in which you can you can worry about what people think too much, and it affects your game. It probably affects your life in a lot of ways. And it's there's a healthy balance of um, of doing what you know is best for your well being and not worrying about what everybody else is saying. And yet, I think Ja is not really at that point. He doesn't quite have the equity built up yet, even though he is a superstar, to, I feel like, shut everyone out at that point. And he also knows that he had... It seems as though he had come to grips with the fact that there were stakes and that he was at risk of losing... um, losing something amidst this this period of time. And so I felt like, yes, I mean, were the, was he probably coached on some of the ways in which he phrased his answers? Sure. I think the spirit of the conversation was there. And I think there was a, a spirit of just like awareness that, you know, I, I, I was dealing with something in a way that wasn't healthy. And it, it really did come to a head in a way that I regret and I'm sorry for that, and I'm looking to be better moving forward. So there's that. Um, yeah, as far as as far as some of the things that um, I still I'm still interested in, what happens moving forward with his inner circle. Uh, one of the things that I noticed was that when J- Jalen Rose asked him pretty directly, you know, like as you get as you get to a point where you are a business, which is a business now. Um, you have to figure out who is with you and who's not. And Ja's response to that was essentially, you know, yes, we, as in like his inner circle, have to do a better job of recognizing when uh, when to do things, when not to do things, and just to be smarter. And that was his response. And he didn't necessarily allude to anything changing. And so that's where I think that's one thing to watch for me moving forward. And even when Jalen asked about, um, the, the times in which Ja seems to have come to the call of his family at different points, whether it was the mall or the high school, whatever it was, you know, John never said, like, I shouldn't have done that. If anything, he was, he was in a way defending the ways in which he had to worry about his family's safety and his response there. And so I think that would just be one, one thing to watch. And no, do I, do I, would would I have done it differently if I were Ja? I mean, I can't put myself in his shoes. Like, he he's going to do what he thinks is right for his family. Do I think there is probably somebody he could bring in to help 
in these situations so that he does not have to literally be the one going to to these places and making sure that everything's right? Yeah, probably. Um, but those are the those are kind of the two things that I thought were uh, uh, just things to watch. Like I said, yeah, and I think, and I, you know, I mean, it's it's weird because you know, as we talked at the very beginning, sort of this whole excited about him coming back, anxious about is it is it good for him to come back? You know, I mean, I think in a similar way, it, it is like I think saying those sort of statements gave me some pause, but then it was also like it actually made me think, oh, this interview isn't just total PR scripted. Like, sure. Jaw is talking. Like, this is Jaw. And also, I mean, it's we go back to loyalty thing. And, you know, one of the things I was telling some – I was talking to some friends who were, you know, kind of just seeing about this stuff on, like, the Today Show. And, you know, one of the things I was saying is, you know, it, it seems like he's – he grew up in South Carolina. He, li- he lives in Memphis, went to college in Kentucky. I mean, it is very Southern honor culture of, you know, I think if you see a lot of the incidents, it is a lot of – you disrespected me or my family, and now I must act. And I think it was interesting that, while it's interesting that he didn't sort of say this was wrong. He did, he did give, uh, he did say that he realizes that as now John Morant, the business, the superstar, you know, uh, that he has to think about how he goes about sort of being loyal to his friends and to his family and showing that sort of honor because yeah, you can't just be intimidate people in a local high school gym anymore. Like you can't do that. Um, But there is this feeling of, I don't think he thinks what I did was wrong. I think he thinks now I have to think about how it looks, Um, which I think is very different. You know I mean? I think that's very different than like it was wrong. Although he, you know, multiple times was saying I was wrong um, about things. And, you know, I think he's trying to figure that out. And again, we say, you know, his loyalty and that disrespect, respect stuff is part of what makes him, you know, a top 10 basketball player in the world probably. And so it's a, it's a hard thing to kind of control, but, you know, but there is that notion of, you have to realize, you know, you're not, you're not Charles Barkley who can get away with stuff, you know, uh, that you have a very different, um, you, you have, you just have to know where you are in your kind of fame and, and how to, you know, conduct yourself. But I, I did think that that made, showed it that this wasn't a totally scripted interview because he was still definitely had some moments of being jaw in there for sure. Yeah. Um, I think the question of, and this is a bigger conversation, but the authenticity piece I think is, is something you could really unpack because it's, the public wants they want you to be authentic until it rubs them the wrong way and everybody has a different definition of what that is and so i think you made a good point where you know that part of what makes jaw jaw is the the loyalty the um he's going to ride or die with the people that he's with and so do i from a basketball uh standpoint and a fan of the memphis grizzlies i I expect now that to translate to the team and his loyalty, maybe even to the city moving forward. And um, he just doesn't seem like somebody who's going to be very easily shaken from what he's committed to. And so I think that's great. Um, And then there's the level of like, okay, well, um, what if we disagree with, with how he's carrying this out and how this authenticity is manifesting itself and so, yeah, I think the the, the separation of, like, um, 
am I coping with something here that is um, that's a what's it's a symptom of a bigger problem or is there I think that the difference of opinion for the past week and a half has been about this this problem of is this a symptom or is this a, a bug and so I think this is I'm not really uh, I don't really know how to land this plane of the sentence I'm on but I just think that the authenticity piece is is really striking and I think there's a there's something there that will need to be unpacked further as we move along and continue with the John Moran experience. Yeah, and I think that so, you know, one big thing that I kind of like I don't know if I liked it, but I liked that it was asked and those answers. I was always, you know, one of my big questions was, why did he do this? Why did he go live on Instagram from a club? Uh what was he thinking doing this and you know, I thought maybe it's just a drunken mistake. I, I know some sources have been out there saying that he was just meant to DM it or to, you know, was from he thought it was from a burner account, uh, and and yet no, um, you know, he owned that he did it, and he he had this comment about he wanted to be free, which I found very interesting, and I think it speaks because is it makes me wonder if if it was something where he'd had a rough week, people accusing him of things. And if he thought, you know, my real – like if he kind of did that, well, I'm Allen Iverson and my real fans out there are going to love this, like my real ones. And then woke up to the fact uh, that, you know, kind of talking about it, he's not Allen Iverson at the moment, that, that, that Allen Iverson arrived in a very different moment of how people were viewing sort of hip-hop and how hip-hop was in the culture and all these sorts of things – that would be like getting in the weeds to talk about, but that he quickly realized he's not like it. it he did not get any positive response. I mean, it it was an ex, it's still an extreme minority of people that sort of celebrated or approved or defended him doing that. Extreme minority, and and I think that was something that maybe that's what woke him up to this thought of authenticity, but with wisdom. Um, you know, sort of, sort of thought process. I don't, you know, I don't know, but it is interesting that he did say that it was to be free, um, was his answer. Um, which, you know, who knows totally what he means. It was a little ambiguous, but, uh, what did you think about the, the eight game suspension and that specific number? Did you think that was fair or did you think it was sort of a cop out based on the convenient timing of jobbing in and out of this this facility? Um, I mean, so, I mean, I'm going to be probably, I'm, I'm probably the minority here, you know, just looking on Twitter and other people who like, oh, he should be spending the rest of the season. I mean, I, I've been on the record saying I actually didn't think like that what he did was bad for the NBA. And I think the NBA has the right to protect their brand. And I think it was very unwise for his brand. And I think for the team, if the team internally had said, we don't want you out partying. I mean, doing this was very unwise and kind of, and so for the team, but, but overall from Adam Silver, you know, I just feel like with charges aren't filed, um, just flashing a gun and being a strip club, like if being a strip club was a crime, you know, half the NBA would be suspended all the time. Uh, that, that it was a little bit, you know, when, when, when it's one more game than Steven Jackson unloading a clip at strip club, uh, you know, Makes me feel like it was a little – the penalty was a little harsh, but I also think that Adam Silver is also dealing with some PR issues right now um, of being seen as soft, being too pro-player, 
uh, and not uh, enough pro uh, and, and maybe even just pro pro player, a little too pro owner, and then like very anti audience and anti fan. I don't know. Uh, so I feel like there there was a little bit of it seems like the Grizzlies and Jaws people and Adam Silver got together and said like he needs counseling. Jaw decided let's do counseling two weeks. That's about this many games. How many games is it going to take for me to come back and then ramp up? You know how much how many games do you think would like sort of satisfy sort of our um, our culture that seems to love people being punished. Uh, you know, th- th- so I am, so I'm pretty cynical about the in-game suspension, honestly. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think that it just so happened that, you know, let's, let's make it, let's just tack on a couple more than what he potentially could, could do. Uh, I mean, and also there's this Warriors game happening on Saturday night and uh, that already has enough press around it. And if you're adding, you know, the job piece on top of that, then, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I don't think they necessarily literally looked at the schedule and said, "Oh, we don't. We want to avoid this game or that game." I think it, it was just a matter of, um, you know, let's let's hold them out a little bit longer to make it look as if you know this was an actual punishment. But um, if Jaw's ready to go, if he's back, if he's feeling good, we feel good. Everybody's happy, and I think that's probably what happened. And so. Uh, Craft, if you had to guess, and this will be kind of unless you have any any more empty the notebook stuff, I was just going to get our predictions on on. Uh, I mean, the, just one more empty the notebook thing uh, before because I do want to get to that is just um, you know that that Jaw did he denied that that was his gun, um, and he also um, on the interview uh, very much denied having any gang ties or being part of a gang. I just want to throw that out there because I don't I know most people are not going to listen to the full nineteen minute interview, and that was not. Um, any of the, you know, those clips aren't going around, but, but that is, you know, but that he, he said it to the camera, you know, hope he's, I very much want and believe that he's telling the truth there, but, uh, we just want to make, throw that out there that, that, that those questions are asked. And then, and the only other thing was that, um, I found interesting was that one, he definitely didn't really go into the incident in his house because of ongoing legal, but what was also interesting is he did. When about the Pacers thing, which goes back to your point about the loyalty stuff, is that he was pretty he owned the the issues with his family. That Pacers thing, he wanted to say that he thought that he still stands up for the fact that, that was kind of a lot of fabrication and lies from the Pacers. So he was he was pretty defensive about that too, um, and didn't want to speak to it because of ongoing stuff. So all that said, that those that's the only other stuff left left I had in my little notes. So. Yeah, no, I, I think he kept saying, like, I can't wait for the truth to come out. So now we have another thing to anticipate uh, whenever the legalese or the legal, uh, you know. Can you wait like four or five months so we can talk basketball? I know. It's not having news segments. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to lay down my official prediction here. I think it's going to be. The Friday night game at home against the Rockets, Friday, March 24th. To me, if he was in, um, if he hasn't actually been working out at all, uh, like some reports have said, then I do think there's going to be a little bit longer of a ramp up period, and the Grizzlies are known for that. Um, granted, this wasn't necessarily for an injury, but. I just think that, like, Monday would be – there's already reports saying, like, it's not going to be Monday. 
And so I think maybe one extra game uh, after that is, is I'm just going to price that in and, and, and just say I think it's going to be Friday, March 24th. Yeah, so I'm going to be boring and say I, I believe the same thing. I think that works uh, for kind of a combo of gives him four days back with the team, uh, is an easier opponent, so an easy like he doesn't have to come in, um, you know, and, and be a hundred percent immediately. That's a that's a pretty safe opponent to kind of come in um, and be rusty against. Um, the only other, you know, if for some reason, like you said, I think there's there's a Small part of me that thinks it might be the following Tuesday against the Orlando Magic uh, because that would be the next kind of home game uh, against another kind of lesser foe uh, to the Rockets. And so if for some reason it comes in, it's like, oh, he he's really out of shape. He really needs to get his win back. But I just feel like, honestly, uh, the Rockets, when you play the Rockets, you're basically playing practice, <laughs> practice five on five anyway, honestly, um, unless you're the Lakers, of course. So I had to get that dig in. But uh, unless Celtics. you're the Lakers. Apparently. And Celtics, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, but that should be a good. I mean, I think you know. I mean, I know people laugh because it's also uh, jaw, uh, you know, um, bobblehead night as well. Um, but you know, I don't think that. I don't. I don't. I, you know, the Grizzlies aren't that uh, diabolic that they're. Uh, I think the jaw bobbleheads will be you know just fine, even if Jaw doesn't play. Uh, I think they'll still be worth a lot uh, to people to grab. But um, but that does seem to be. It seems like Monday Mavs will be the jaw comes out, gets cheers, is with the team, uh, and that week is getting back, and then Friday is when he makes his debut. It's, it feels like jobbleheads. I love it. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna say it. We'll end the pod here. This is where the redemption story starts yeah. potentially, and I think that. I think that amidst everything, um, in the sick way that the public does, they love to turn on somebody and then build them back up and cheer for them along the way. And so I think that's going to happen. I, I do think like Memphis is probably the perfect place uh, to uh, welcome him back with open arms. Uh, and you know, there's there's not an expectation of perfection here, which is a beautiful thing. So I think there there will be an ovation for Ja, and just from a basketball standpoint. I am very ready for Ja to be back on the floor. We need him um, yes. not only in quarters one through three, but especially in quarter four as we move to the home stretch and get when basketball slows down in the playoffs. So, hey, but our, we've retired. Uh, our the one player we've retired so far has allegedly done a lot worse things than John ja Morant, and we embraced him big time. Um, another one who's another another player who we're going to eventually retire also has a very hard pass. So Memphis definitely loves our redemption stories. We love to, uh, we love flawed characters and flawed people. So I think Jaws in the right place for that. Well, this has been another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. Thanks for joining us. We will be back at some point very soon to uh, talk about the Wild West, where the Grizzlies sit right now, seemingly just back and forth from the two to the three seed, depending on the night. Sacramento Kings can't seem to lose a clutch game, but we will get into all of that very soon as the playoffs are right around the corner for Kraft. I'm Will. Thanks for joining us.